Your sensors are correct. Do not adjust your heading. Your heading. You've discovered the Omega Particle. Streaming to the Alpha Quadrant and beyond. 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 Here's your host. The anchorman of the Federation. The doctor of Dilithium. This is Jonathan Wiegand. Welcome to the Omega Particle. I am your gracious host, Jonathan Wiegand, and I want to welcome you to this very special, special episode. Today we sit down with two of my lifelong buddies, whom I met in college, and we discuss a TNG episode called Conspiracy. I think it comes from season one, episode 24. Luna's shaking her head yes, so that is the correct episode title and sequence But we go into the deep, dark depths of this episode. We talk about um, pretty much everything. We flesh it out really well. And it was an absolute blast recording with these guys. I definitely think you feel that through the episode as it comes through the mic. And and just the banter is great. And this has been on my to-do list probably since I started last February. Bringing these guys on and, and just talking. And I promise you this will not be the last time they're on here um whether as a team or individually or part of even a bigger group it's definitely fun and explores a whole new kind of format on this podcast because normally if you're not a listener before i it's just usually me your anchorman of the federation the doctor of the lithium and i don't have a lot of uh co-hosts i have luna helping me with um, fact checking and stuff but that's about it um, i'm happy to bring these guys on for for this episode and I'll give some more updates on the podcast and the current state of, like, I think the Klingon episode and the Lower Deck reviews and things like that. But this definitely came first and priority in my mind than those other two um, projects and episodes because, man, you'll listen. It's a lot of fun. Well, anyway, I don't want to hold you back any longer. This is the Trekkie Roundtable. You broke your little ships. Fun will now commence. Yes, welcome. We are joined today. I have some great, um, very close family, friends that are family guests today. A um, little bit of a different take on OPP. We don't normally have guests. Uh, you guys are my first guest ever. I promised that to my wife, but she just didn't want to, <laughs> But to be brutally honest. And um, yeah, so this is Alan and Jason. They're lifelong friends of mine, but uh, Jason is kind of new to Trek, uh, hasn't really watched it, while Alan has been a big TNG devotee. So welcome, guys. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you for having us. No problem. Yeah, welcome. Yeah, it's uh, this will be a lot of fun. Um, I pick Conspiracy because it's the most random, creepy, gory Star Trek <laughs> episode out there. And we've refrained from talking personally about it for I think a few days. So I'm excited to hear what you guys think. It wasn't gory enough, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I I needed more exploding heads. I think that's right. what I needed. You only saw one body snatcher chest explosion. I, I needed more. <laughs> Is that a problem? I don't think it's a problem. Um, no, it, it, like I think with the, the funny thing is it was like during family hour, like the, like, 8 p.m. Like this was like the family hour. And then they have this Indiana Jones style face melting. Should we uh, should we start with a synopsis first in case some of your listeners uh, haven't had the joy of watching this recently? Yes, we'll start with a synopsis and spoiler alert on this 25 year old. I'm sorry. Is it 30 year? It's something crazy episode. Yeah. So um, so the quick synopsis, if you haven't watched it and I don't understand why people watch or listen to reviews if you haven't seen it. So a very quick summarization is in the most short nuggets is this intelligent parasite alien infiltrates like Starfleet command. And these parasites actually crawl into the host body and take full control of them. Almost like a trill. Interesting. That's a little fun fact. Some what's people a, think they're what, trill. What's a trill. What's a trill. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> okay. You, you've never watched DS9, right? I've seen, seen I, part. As a, okay. as a kid, I would watch DS9. That's actually yeah. probably the series I've seen the most of, but I was okay. a very small oh, kid. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, <laughs> is this golf? Uh, no, <laughs> a, a trill is 
kind of have the symbiotic relationship with a, a quote unquote, I guess you call it parasite. And they live inside of you and you get all of their memories from all of their lifetimes. People think, is this thing a trill? That's like a little fun fact because it kind of takes over your body. And I don't think it is, but parasites take over the body. And the only way to detect them is by like the back of the neck. And they have this little like tail that sticks out. Picard learns about this and Enterprise Enterprise crew tries to eradicate them from Starfleet's ranks. But it's kind of like almost like the thing. They don't know who to trust because these parasites take control of the body. So it's kind of this suspenseful, in my opinion, really good writing of an episode. It's kind of nasty. These things eat bugs. And at the very end, Picard and Riker track down the mother and the mother bursts through the chest and shoot and they shoot it and it vaporizes. And it's Not a good just like the chest. It was also <laughs> the face. It started with the face and then it came out of the chest and then they blasted okay. that. And the rest of the upper body was gone. It was. I was not ready for that. Gratuitous violence <laughs> on a fam- on a on a perfect family show. So I mean, you, you, the, um, the, you made the comparison to the Indiana Jones ending, and that's really, I think, a good one because that's it's just it was sort of jarring. But this puts the Indiana Jones movie to shame as far as the gore. <laughs> yeah. Again, gratuitousness is the best word I can think for it. See. When I when I chose, I was like, I want to do this episode a because it's like, in my opinion, it's a good episode. Like, it has great writing, great suspense, and even if you don't like Trek, you can enjoy it. But also that shock factor. Like, I think Jason texted me, like, "WTF? What was that?" I was like, "Oh, he finished it." <laughs> <laughs> can I say something about just the innocence I went into this episode? <laughs> there was no warning given. This violated. <laughs> Jason, I guess I guess this is at, in front of every episode on Netflix, but it said PG, and it said for sex, comma fear. <laughs> it's an. I don't know episode. what the ending was, but that was neither sex <laughs> nor fear. Well, I don't know what kind of sex <laughs> they're having. No, it's... it was. Oh it was so much more graphic than I thought it would be. So even with the you know, the old school effects. I was getting grossed out so much. Well, I was just going to say, it is true that like, you can't talk about this episode without that. I don't know. What was it like 90 second or less segment at the end? It just, it was so out of character for what every other episode of Star Trek. I've seen plenty of like, right. uh, I don't know. Maybe 15 other episodes of next generation. Okay. And, None of them had any moment like that. So I was, it was just this, this rude awakening out of nowhere. It's like, oh, is his neck's doing weird things. Okay. It's, a it's and called then, a condition, Jason. And then it's, his neck's pulsing after he eats a bug. And then it just goes downhill so fast after that. <laughs> And you could feel you could feel like the production decisions being made like well that was bad but i think we can go further i think we can push the envelope and then they you know get there and i think we could go further and it just it was, it was so much uh it almost you know jason while while we're talking about the gore aspect uh, first of all personally i am so glad this was an outlier and that they didn't yeah. make yeah. star trek yeah you know that they didn't go this direction because i'm actually you mentioned how old is this episode john it came out may of 1988 okay Oh my gosh, um, yeah. So it's, you know, whatever that is, 30, 31 years or so. Um, mm-hmm. The original movie, Total Recall, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, not sure if anybody's familiar with it. Uh, oh it's a great <laughs> sci-fi movie. That came out in 1990. So not, you know, too much later. And that movie was super gross. Tons of gratuitous mm-hmm. violence. My point is, I'm just glad that the production, you know, team and writers and all that, that they didn't decide to like make Star Trek super gross and that this was kind of a, a one-time outlier. <laughs> you know what, like Picard and the giant drill yelling, screw you. <laughs> Excellent <laughs> reference. <laughs> um, wow. No, and that that's a great um, kind of side note and rabbit hole is that it is an outlier and it's an outlier because originally um, and I'll plug the Chaos on the Bridge series I did a few, I think a m- couple months back. Um, they actually decided not to do this episode. The head writer threw the script in the trash and said, it's way too dark. 
it's we're not going to do this. It's and they even try to like make Gene Roddenberry be like, oh, it's not a bug. It'll be like a military coup. And and he was still like in his idealistic vision of, of the future in Star Trek. So um, but it was <laughs> resurrected because somebody took it out of the trash and gave it to Paramount Management and Ma- Paramount loved it. And then now we're <laughs> did the execs have like a parasite inside them at the time when they greenlit it? Because it, uh, it was very meta, right? That was, that was the term, very meta. <laughs> oh, I love community. That's great. The, the bugs wrote the episode about the bugs. Mm. <laughs> That's so insightful. So so brave. Uh, no, I I think it's. Yeah, it definitely. And I've watched every single episode of Star Trek to date, probably four or five times. This is the goriest one and the creepiest one, hands down. So I wanted to start this little um, formatting and roundtable with that episode because it's just such a you're not expecting it. There is no warning. You're just like, what the? <laughs> it was a bold choice, Cotton. Bold choice. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's going to be, I mean, there's a couple other bold episodes. I think maybe for the next one, we might do like an actual like great Trek episode, maybe like the drum head or something <laughs> like that. Like a good one. No gratuitous violence, but like a good, a good like political thriller. Not like Yeah, I, I will say, and I, know, I know we're going to get into sort of our context for Trek and everything, but I, I personally was a little surprised with TNG being my favorite, you know, Trek, uh, that in the original movies. I was kind of surprised you picked this episode for Jason, who's not as into TNG. I think there's <laughs> easily a dozen other, you know, way better episodes. Not that I didn't think this was oh. a good episode, but uh, I was a little surprised with the with the episode choice. I, 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 I wanted I wanted the meat. Yeah, I wanted the meat, yeah. man. I wanted that. <laughs> I wanted the shock factor because it's a great episode, and then the last ninety like ninety seconds, two minutes are just like. So out of the ballpark. Like, it's well, like, what is this? It kind of builds too with like, I'm looking at the notes I was jotting down as I was watching. And, you know, if there's one that says, if I could see, I'd be seeing stars. LOL. <laughs> I thought that was a funny line. And then the next one is just gross. <laughs> and then the next note is mouth bug. No, sir. <laughs> and then Palpatine chair. What do you know when he like swivels around mm-hmm. and then it's just two WTFs <laughs> and then it ends with upbeat credits seem out of place. <laughs> well, It wasn't like, it wasn't like an upbeat credit. Like they leave this like maniacal tone. Like mm-hmm. it released this, uh, like signal. I was just the, the um, just like the overall like Star Trek theme. Like it's pretty upbeat. Oh, and so yeah, when yeah. that was playing, I was like still processing <laughs> what I had just seen. I was like, Traumatized. this does not match. Getting, getting <laughs> whiplash there for sure. Yeah. And, uh, and that's something like with, and this is another tangent, like TNG does a great like thing of that, of being positive and being upbeat. And then with DS9, it's the exact opposite. Almost like you get more realistic real world, problems and issues like with war and famine and um, genocide. So it's, I, I, I kind of exactly see what you mean, Jason. It is a very upbeat, positive show. And this is not a typical TNG episode where it makes you think really hard and it has like political backstories and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I will say this though, nothing brought me more joy is the one you texted me and it's like, what? <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> yeah, I got him. Um, but I mean, let me ask you this, Jason, did it turn you off? Because I know you're not like a a serial trek, like you don't do you don't watch them episode by episode. Like, would I mean, would okay. you keep watching, or would you just be like, this is garbage? I'm not watching this. So or I don't like trek. Had that been my first trek episode, I would have gone to a different show on Netflix at that point. I'd be like, <laughs> I don't need this. This is just this is not what I want. Yeah. Um, it start like I'd say the solid first half of the episode was what I would think is like typical trek you know like the whole conspiracy and then like you have like the little politics going and he's meeting his friends and you're like all right where's this going is it are they crazy or is it you know actually going to be some sort of coup type thing and then i don't know like when they started eating the bugs and then the things like they just they took so long on each shot of these little like claymation bugs crawling out of people's mouths (laughs) It's 1988, Jason. Give me uh, a break. Well, okay? I mean, my point was it was obviously claymation, but it was still grossing me out so much. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And then it just like knocked you over off the chair with the final mm-hmm. thing. So it reminded me of the the Wrath of Khan, you know, mind control bug a little bit, which was also gross 80s claymation. But mm-hmm. um, that that's kind of, I don't know what, if John, you might know the name of what, what that creature was from. No idea. Uh, from the Wrath of Khan movie. But uh, it kind of reminded me of that. But I do think, you know, Jason alluded to the, the production value there. Obviously, that was a weakness in the episode was the production value of the uh, claymation. But somehow, yeah, it was still effectively gross, even though you could tell it was fake. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And really, the bugs were the worst. Like, the actual, like, later on, everything's happening so fast. I was like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I was not thinking how they did it. I was just thinking, they're doing this. That was, like, my next question was, like, what time would, like, this have aired back then? Because Eight o'clock. Um, right prime wow. time so yeah um <laughs> kind of kind of surprising but um we call that like, progress I mean, that that's not what you'd see today at 8 p.m on prime time. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually very true very true uh yeah and i understand jason what you mean like if this was the first episode i'd watch you'd be like is every episode gory like what precedence mm-hmm. does it set but like if you watch the whole first season which i don't think you've done is mm-hmm. that the whole first season is actually very um like monster planet of the week very structured everything's wrapped up by the end and then all of a sudden you get this monstrosity lack of a better term and pun uh (laughs) in episode 24 it's it's very random but i think it's to me i think it highlighted how and it was correct thing to do to publish it because they needed to expand trek a little bit more besides just because the ratings were terrible in the first season so i think it was smart to kind of broaden it a little bit but 30 years later close to 30 years later yeah it's, it's nasty but and okay. what at which season does Riker get his beard <laughs> right I, I couldn't look past that it's a huge short that was so distracting <laughs> oh totally it, it yeah the the crappy uniforms with the yeah and without the with the collars it, it's always bothered me I think he doesn't get it to like I want to say season two or season, season three. two I think it's season two okay Okay. Yeah, he was not final I, form. I realized at yet. that point. Yeah, at that point, I realized I hadn't seen any like season one episodes before. So yeah, because normally they're terrible. Like normally season one's like the worst season of mm-hmm. all. That's a great point because to to me, and we're a little bit in my wheelhouse. So just by way of you know my my Trek experience, it's it's TNG, the Next Generation show, and it's the original cast. Uh, you know, Kirk and Spock movies. I am not as heavy into the original, you know, 1966 show, uh, which I've watched. You know, I've seen episodes. It's got some classic ones, but it's also got a lot of camp. To me, this was in like the sweet spot of Trek, like that mid to late 80s into the the 90s. So I've seen TNG more than anything else. Like Jason said, we've seen DS9 as a kid, Voyager as a kid and all that sort of thing. Um, But no, to me, there was a always growing up and, and now that it's on Netflix... Seasons one and two, I think, are just not quite hitting yeah. all cylinders, firing, you know, in their stride. Riker not getting the beard until season two, obviously, is the biggest <laughs> biggest example of that. Uh, but no, I think for, it, I don't know if it was funding or budget or whatever, but the production value seems a little lower in, in seasons one and two. And I'm actually redoing, yeah. I know you know this, John, I'm, I'm re-watching uh, all of TNG on Netflix right now. And I'm, I'm in season three and I, I now feel like, oh, okay, it's... You know, all the cylinders are firing. It's it's getting moving, and uh, season one is real hard to watch. So, would yeah. you say maybe if season one is more like a monster of the week or planet of the week, did they not mm-hmm. have as like many like like uh, like high concept episodes where you know, no. like sci fi is when sci fi is strongest. It's you know, kind of putting a contemporary issue in a different light. Um. I couldn't yeah. quite tell what this episode was trying to tell me. Yeah, they, um, well, the episode, according to just like the interwebs in my research, the episode was trying to talk about paranoia mm-hmm. and the pitfalls of paranoia and how we need to avoid it, which I think is just like cheap back writing because they just wanted to make something gross but and fun. <laughs> they were a hundred percent true. <laughs> that was the thing. Cause what they were with the three of them are, uh, sorry, four of them were talking on that uh, deserted mining planet, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that's where the episode's probably going because, um, let's see, Walker, was that his name? Yeah, yeah. Walker. Um, Walker, I called him Intense Eyes Guy. 
And uh, <laughs> like he was just so intense and like, you know, everyone was just like so deadly serious and stuff. And I was like, okay, so this is like an early subreddit or something, you know. Like, <laughs> but then like absolutely everything they were afraid of was actually true. So I don't know if I would assume the writers were trying to do what, you know, what you just quoted. Right. You're almost saying like it, it was setting it up to be a, a bait and switch where, you know, we need to be careful about paranoia, but no, in this case, you actually need to be really paranoid. These bugs are going to in your brain and out of your chest. Actually, they are reptile people, you know? <laughs> actually, it is chemtrails and they are controlling you with 5G, so oh be careful. Gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but, but really, a, a reptile person would have been uh, way less gross. <laughs> We're well, spending think, a lot I mean, of energy on the gore and the grossness. That's, uh, obviously, it's part it's of that. That was my main takeaway. I'm just going to say. We're about 20 minutes in, and yeah, it's just all gore. Uh, no, I think, no, it's actually a good point. Like, a I was very like very first time I watched it. I think it was probably out of college at that point. Yeah. I was kind of surprised the conspiracy actually was true because normally they're never true and they never like actually are fleshed out. And this one actually is my personal favorite of the entire episode was the old man with the crazy eyes kicking everyone's <laughs> butt. <laughs> wait wait i have a uh i have a note oh yeah evil laughing admiral is beyond creepy that's what i wrote <laughs> at that point because he had like this little like <laughs> like yeah. type thing and like he'd smack Worf across the room and i'm like i was like yeah Worf, and then i was like oh Worf. Worf is always he's always right and they never listen to him if if they would have just you know taken his advice <laughs> and everything his his skepticism is often much, you know, leaves much to be desired with the rest of the crew. No, and it's I think there's even a video on YouTube. It's like Worf getting his butt kicked and it's like I've 10 minutes that. of just like people beating the crap. Out of <laughs> and uh, I think, um, no, that's that was my it was like a comedy almost. And, and it kind of came off a little campy some parts of the episode, but it was still like when um, he beats up Riker. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I know they're trying to make it serious. Like this old man has given all this strength through this mm-hmm. parasite. But at the end of the day, I'm like, this is looks ridiculous and silly in my <laughs> opinion. Um, but I mean, it's, I mean, you have to have a little camp at Star Trek. You can't be all super serious. It's also guess, a little but. creepy too at the, at the, you know, at the time, cause you weren't sure what was exactly going on. So that's true. At and I love how, yeah. And like in the old guy coming on, like, being transported on the ship, he has the bug in a briefcase. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you think you would like have some better mode of like transportation than a briefcase, but I'm going to go down a real big, quick rabbit hole here. Um, according, I'm putting on my nerd glasses here. Um, I think the <laughs> biofilter on the transporter would catch up that parasite. So it actually wouldn't be on the ship. So, mm. oh yeah, that is a good you, idea. When could you could you do the whole podcast these different things in that voice, John? I think that's <laughs> that's my only <laughs> note. Yeah, actually, let's uh, let's restart recording. Uh, <laughs> Just do it again. Just right no, that is, that is a very that is a very good point. Um, I don't know how the biofilter works with you know pathogens versus a thing you can hold in your hand, but um, but no, I, oh, I they, think they totally do that. Yeah, so I don't know. But no, I think Jason hits on a couple of good points there that, you know, obviously the fight scene was creepy and, and campy and all those sorts of things. I did feel like that was another example where the production value wasn't quite there. And even just the the flow of the plot, like you're saying, there's a little bit of a plot hole. Why is this, you know, Admiral just bringing it onto the ship in a briefcase? I, I felt like this episode, though, and John, you may have more context for, you know, how, how you said it was the, the plot was shelved or thrown away and then resurrected by Paramount. But to me, this was an indi- an early indication in the show of how good it could be in later years. And I think this type of episode, in if it were in season, you know, three, four, five, six, or whatever, probably would have been like a two or three parter, you know, and the scale would yeah. have been a little bit bigger. I always thought it was having rewatched it. I, I thought it was it felt a little small when they get back to Earth. You know, you just sort of see the three admirals on the view screen talking to each other. They go down to the planet. You don't really see much of Starfleet. You're supposed to be at Starfleet headquarters. Like you, It feels like sort of a cinematic thing, but it doesn't feel or come across as cinematic. So yeah. I feel like that's, you know, I don't know if it was the shortfalls in the budget or whatever, but it was, a, it was a great early indication of how big and fun and exciting the show could go 
but it just to me it wasn't the perfect execution of that at that stage they did seem aware of like how empty the corridors were by asking explicitly like where is everybody and they're like oh it's yeah. just quiet today and I'm point. just kind of a mental reflex i was like oh yeah social distancing no one's out right now <laughs> <laughs> You know, COVID's still around in the 24th to, century. The, 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 the bugs were actually an early allegory for COVID-19. That how, how ahead of the time. Wow. So uh, brave. But No, yeah. yeah um, no, I think that's definitely true. And it was mainly, Alan, that's a good point. It was mainly budgetary reasons why. Um, 100%. I mean, I don't know if you guys knew this, but they were actually like in... 1950s trailers on the first season and second season and like Denise Crosby in an interview like joked about how they didn't really have good food or any food on the (laughs) set and that she would have to go to like the cheers lot next door and steal food and bring it back (laughs) because they were so cheap and I get I mean I guess it's true like Paramount like they didn't want to invest millions and millions of dollars into this show that you couldn't even get picked up on network tv it was on syndication so right, um right. a little of a backstory man. but yeah i think i think you're right if she would have stuck around i'm sure their budget skyrocketed in later seasons i mean it ultimately went on to be one of the top shows on television right so yeah it did yeah and then like I, money and then they made the movies and yeah i mean um denise crosby did come back for like a couple episodes is like well, a I was romulan gonna, i was gonna say i just was re-watching the i don't you, you can help me on the title it's the one where it might have been yesterday's enterprise or something there, it was a yeah. it, it played with like timelines and history and it's the one where it opens with Guinan sensing a shift in the timeline and Denise Crosby's alive and she never died. And, you know, it was a nice reprisal of her role. I thought they treated her well in that episode after she left the show. Yeah. And they were, um, yeah, that's exactly what it's called. Yesterday enterprise. And I always felt like they were like when they brought her back, cause they bring her back like multiple times. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, they definitely like maybe buried the hatchet, I guess. And, and Crosby's still like on that um, convention circuit. So she's still milking that sweet, sweet Trek money. I think my next question would be for you guys. So Jason, you're you're like, so you're not going to do any rewatch. You're just going to be like, I'll listen OPP. I'm done. Like this is, I'll, I'll watch the episodes John tells me to watch. For I'm that done. specific episode, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can always watch Timeless. That's, that's on Netflix, right? <laughs> it's not on Netflix. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> oh backstory jason loves timeless and we give him crap because it got canceled um <laughs> but i would love yeah to have jason come back and, and always talk because you give such good insight because you actually run a blog and you like a movie review blog even though covid has decimated the movie industry didn't you uh, i think you just wrote one for tenant is that right uh that's true it was my first one in a long time so not to oversell the frequency with which I write. <laughs> no, you're fine. I'll um I'll put Jason, a link are, in the. Are you paying for this? Play? This is this is top quality. This is all actually an ad for my blog. <laughs> <laughs> He's paying me ten dollars. The entire <laughs> the entire OPP podcast is meant to serve Jason's blog. <laughs> that's, that's full circle. But, but all that to say is like I re- I do enjoy this kind of thing where I can you know take notes while I'm watching it or just, you know, just dive in without knowing, you know, any sort of context, you know, like as a reminder, the whole episode, I was waiting for the sex and or fear to start happening like in a (laughs) PG capacity. And so that made it just like even more tense. I was like, Oh, there's, there's Picard. He's got his robe on. Nope. That's not it. <laughs> so Jason no, is clearly disturbed and needs to write a strongly worded letter <laughs> to the Netflix, you know, parental guidance spoke. Clean up the radio, guys. <laughs> None of that prepared me for what I was going to see, but <laughs> no. And it, I mean, that's actually been a long standing like joke in the Trek community because it's not only TNG, it's every Trek series on netflix is labeled sex <laughs> and fear and so um there's so many wild episodes in that there. order <laughs> I, I, or is it fear or sex i think that's no, important. Just, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is funny though my, my wife uh seems to always walk in when i'm watching png episodes <laughs> where, where Riker is at his you know crudest and horniest and inappropriateness uh so I guess Riker himself probably has the sex category covered as far as the rating system goes. I, I will say I liked this episode, like how it did play with my expectations. Like I said earlier, like it seemed like they were obvious, like 
it was obviously not going to be quite what they, the fact that it was called conspiracy and the way they were talking to Picard made me think that there was not a conspiracy. And then another part where I was uh, surprised was uh, when Riker was actually not infected. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Because it was like a classic uh, like TV trope or like when they were back in, they had the old guy, you know, in the medical bay and Riker was like sitting without like any sort of, he wasn't tied down or anything. I like even had on my note, I was like, Riker, Riker, Riker. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I was like, they didn't show him. They like cut away during the fight. So he probably has a bug in him now. And so mm. then they had that whole thing where she turns around and Riker's there. And then later, right. So, they, they cut, don't they cut away right there? Like he, he grabs Beverly Crusher's arm, Dr. Crusher's yeah. arm and they sort of leave it. And, and it's, yeah. it's and like it, ambiguous. Yeah. Right. And in most like movies or TV shows, like that would have been like, oh, that's what happened. You know, um, it's kind of like giving a hint to like just the general audience that, oh, something's not right with Riker. But yeah, this one, it was like they were playing off of that expectation. So mm, for sure, for it sure. made it. So, yeah, just having like just the way they were shooting it with Riker, just like lying down in the background, but still in the frame, you know, like that's mm. normally something where they would be subtly preparing you for that without you knowing. And so that's what I was expecting. But yeah. And I, I mean, the, the, the twist was great. I love mm-hmm. the twist. Um, yeah, yeah I, love the twist. I, I feel like we've been dogging yeah. the episode, you know, the first, 20 minutes <laughs> i mean overall you know the, the gore was surprising and, and a little out of left field for trek for sure but but no i thought like i said i thought it, it was an early primer on like some of the good writing like jason said there's some subtlety there but i also liked you know to jason's point about that whole sequence i liked that it seemed to and, and so many tng episodes do this make good use of all the different characters so in this episode mm-hmm. you had just you know off the cuff you had some really nice moments with data you know, as he's striving to be human, I think in the beginning of the episode, he's laughing at a joke awkwardly. He tries to use some different expressions and idioms with Riker. You know, he's describing a lifeless hunk of rock or whatever on the planet. Um, so they, like, they throw that in with Data. You've got Picard sort of by the bookness and following his convictions despite that. And all, you know, you, you've got some great character moments. But then, yeah, you even had Beverly. Uh, she, ca- she gets a cool action moment where she shoots the evil, creepy admiral, right? when she opens the door Mm -hmm. and then she sort of unravels the mystery. Uh, And then, yeah, you've got Riker and the twist with him. And I thought a great little um, sort of microcosm, if you will, of, of Riker and Picard at the dinner scene, right? Because you didn't know at first that Riker was not really infected, but then as soon as he shows his card, so to speak, Picard's like, okay, boom, I'm in lockstep with you. Let's shoot the bad guys and go get everything. You know, and then they work really great. It's almost like a, an echo of the Kirk Spock kind of, you know, teamwork with Picard and Riker. And so I thought the episode sort of, you get all this stuff in, in 40 minutes of content, uh, all these different character moments that I thought were really nice. And you see that in so many of these episodes. Yeah. And I mean, to me, that's what makes the episode a classic Trek and why uh, I wanted to start here because the first, like I said, like the first like 42 or 43 minutes are just great. Like the writing's great and the character development's great. And you kind of develop these relationships that heavily needed it in the first season. And then the last 90 seconds overshadows everything. And that's what the episode's known for, sadly. But in, in Trek circles, this is a classic episode. And I, I totally agree with what Alan's saying. That's actually in my notes to cover was like, it did do great character development. And I'm happy to see that. And I'm happy you guys are picking up on that instead of just focusing on the, the head blowing up and the the mama worm coming out of the chest. Though, and, though to be fair, if you had a day like that where like, you know, you talk to us, we, you know, we might, you know, beat up an old guy at some point, but then at the very end, those last 90 seconds happened to you in real life. Wouldn't you be telling people you'd be leading with that, <laughs> with that part of the story. You would be like, Oh yeah. And then we told some jokes and our, our one friend tried to laugh and it was a little weird. <laughs> it's true. It sticks out in your mind for a reason. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that's true. But I mean, for, for the sake of Trek review, I think mm-hmm. um, not get lost in it, but I would say, going circling back again because we just can't get off of it um that starfleet has all of these like 
ideals of like life and preservation. And we need to uphold these um, kind of truths almost and fundamental truths of Starfleet. And then they kind of throw that out the window and just shoot the thing. I was like, okay, so I guess they're not going to try to communicate with it, but you can make the argument. The worm was like, we're going to peaceful coexistence when the Gorder was kind of at full capacity there on the mm-hmm. dude's neck. Um, and so it was like, okay, they had reason and justification because it was bull crap what the worm was saying, but still like, um, and he like, does reference that later, doesn't he? Yeah. He struggles with that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, at the very end of the episode, he's like, should we have done better? It's like, nah, it's fine. <laughs> no, it's fine. Our mission <laughs> is to seek out new life and civilizations and then shoot them in the chest. That's the, that's the <laughs> opening tagline. Actually, that's uh, that's what we call cowboy diplomacy, folks. Kirk and Spock. There you go. Now, so something you said earlier at the very beginning of our conversation, I did have a, a mental note at the end of the episode. They make a point of saying that, you know, before they shot the gross alien chest, you know, leaper outer thing, that it sent a beacon into deep space. And I think the last thing you hear yeah. is that beacon going out. Um, which, by the way, not to spoil anything, reminded me a little bit of the latest season of Picard, the show Picard. Um, mm-hmm. But did they did they go anywhere with that in TNG? Like, no. did they ever revisit that thread? No, nope, they nope. don't. They never they never touched it again. Oh, now there now you could make the argument because I researched that. I'm like, is this somehow hinted at another? Like, maybe it's not TNG, maybe it's Voyager or something like that. You know, but no, no Trek ever covers it. The closest you could get to are a couple episodes in DS9, which if you since you guys don't watch it, this sentence not going to make any sense. Um, the changelings infiltrate some of the Klingon high command. And um, there's this kind of that same kind of paranoia panic. Who can we trust? That's the closest thing towards this episode. And it makes me sad because honestly, I feel like that would make a great movie compared to like some of the crap they produced with the TNG cast, like nemesis. I think if they had this revisit almost like a wrath of Khan, almost with the, what they did with Spacey in the original series, if they revisit this bug and these bugs come back and then they have this whole movie of paranoia and um, trying to like figure out who's, who's who. And I think that would have been better than to just leave it off. And Alan, you're, you made a good point. Like, yeah, like it, if, if it was in the fifth or sixth or seventh season, it probably would have been in two, three parter. It did seem like a deliberate setup. Like if that were, it seemed, yeah, it was reminded. That reminds me of like a lost type story thing, like plot line <laughs> where it's like, oh, what beacon? <laughs> uh, purgatory. Uh, no. Well, I, you know, count us disappointed that we didn't get a live action movie where we saw more of the bugs and the chest bursting. <laughs> Just head explosions as far as the eye can see. Directed by Tarantino. That's the Star <laughs> oh Trek he's going to be directing. Oh, there we go. There we go. I would watch that. Um, I would watch it. Send this to Paramount. Let's get this thing done. He's <laughs> like, you've been waiting for it. <laughs> no, I think I think that would be... No, you're right. Like I, I don't know. I just felt, especially with a lot of the TNG movies, they kind of pooped the bed a little bit. And it would have been a nice callback to do a space seat type. But and then at the end of the day, what can you do? Um... So, no, but it, to me, go on. I was, no, I was just going to say with the TNG movies, it's it's funny. So, so I, I like, you know, obviously First Contact, so so yeah. great. You've seen the First Contact movie, Jason, with the Borg, right? Um, that That's probably a universally acclaimed Trek movie. Uh, but <laughs> my, my, my like mic it. is not off, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't sound like it, yeah. <laughs> I've seen Wrath of Khan out of like the uh, original ones and part of the very first one. But... That's, a, that's such a good one. That's that's probably my favorite. Yeah. So that, that's fair. Yeah. But I think yeah, it was I... actually with you that I watched it. Oh, fact. okay. Well, that makes sense. But I was, I was going to say, John, you, you made me think when you talk about the movies that in later TNG movies, which obviously it sounds like you have uh, some, some opinions about, I, I, I feel like Picard softens a little bit. Like I, it might be Nemesis where he's like giving this warm speech at a, at, you know, the wedding ceremony. Uh, I think it's Riker and Troy, right? That's probably Nemesis. Mm -hmm. But um, what I, what I do like about the early TNG episodes, even though I said seasons one and two are are not quite firing on all cylinders. I love hardcore kind of mean and jerky Picard. You know, I love when he's like uncomfortable around children and, you know, just militaristic. <laughs> and, you know, I just saw something about that to me is like, that's the Picard. That's the that's the character. I yeah. want. 
and uh, I miss that yeah. in the new show. It, I feel like it's not quite it's not quite the same. Yeah, and I no, that makes perfect sense because like to me, if I was a captain, I would be like Picard. You have to have that separation between you and your crew. You can't be one of them. You have to have that kind of that lifestyle. You have way more hair they, on your head, face in general, to be Picard. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> <laughs> Not on the chest. We're actually even on the chest. If, um, <laughs> if you ever seen him when he goes to Riza, it's actually equal on that. But no, um, no, I, I've always, I've always liked that type of leadership, especially. And let's be honest. And Frank Starfleet is like a 24th century military. Um, they just do peacekeeping force crap like that. So, um, no, I, I completely understand. He's definitely softened and Jason's like, what the crap are you guys talking about with this new show Picard? But, um, yeah, he's definitely not the same, but maybe they'll return to that in season two. So we'll see. We'll see. I've, I've got a question. Uh, when data is, you know, scanning all the different Starfleet communications and he's, he's, you know, reading them. Super fast. Mm-hmm. He's an android, so we can we can in the Star Trek TNG universe we can travel faster than the speed of light. We can send communications across fast distances, you know, with near instantaneous whatever. But we can't let data plug into Wi-Fi and just like directly connect. <laughs> He's got to sit there and physically read it like I would. Uh, well, see, we'll see, Alan. You can make the this is put in my Trek hat here. Uh, he can connect his neural net to the computer. And directly influence it that way, but it's a big deal, and Jordy has to get involved. But they, he can do it. It's just kind of a big deal to do it. So I guess oh, this okay. is easier for him to read. Okay, so. uh, that makes sense too. Like that someone else would have to help the android connect, you know, versus if you have like a rogue <laughs> one or something. No, I was being serious. Yeah. Oh, okay. it's like a security. You know, it could be like yeah, a yeah. security issue if any supercomputer AI could just you know wirelessly hook up and take over the ship. And right. he actually does that. He actually does that in an episode. He takes over the sure. ship sure. and the computer and he plugs in and it's a, it's a whole nonsense, but uh, <laughs> no. So, so Jason's kind of, I feel like out um, the next episode I'm going to give, if you guys want to come back, will definitely be better. I'm probably thinking Drumhead because that mm-hmm. to me is, that's my favorite Trek episode. Can you, can you gives remind me of the, the synopsis of that one? Drumhead is where, um, almost another conspiracy theory episode short synopsis is um, lady comes on from Starfleet. She thinks Picard is working with the Romulans on the back end and that he's this double agent and they put Picard on trial and Picard. And it turns out it's false. It's not true. And they're prosecuting all these people for, for just because fear and they kind of almost like the Soviet union red scare type of commentary on that. Like, are we really seeking justice? Or are we just scared and want to and just want to punish people? Ah, like do some, that, like McCarthyism or, or what have you. Yeah, mm. exactly. And so Picard gives this amazing speech, probably top five in all of Star Trek, about like when you uh, link or when you take away the first freedom or the f- first voice, like it inevitably like chains us all. And so it's it's a great like moment. So I'm like maybe that where there's no exploding heads and chest and, and worms coming out. <laughs> But well, I thought that it was sounds great... interesting. <laughs> well, do you know what, Jason? I'm going to pick the one in Voyager where they become salamanders. I want to do that one just for you. Uh, <laughs> like, why does he give me all these crap episodes? <laughs> My roommate will have so many questions about what I'm watching. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, are those? Why are those salamanders everywhere? Yeah. Um... I, I I have a question. I I have one more question. So. What what other Trek should I watch? You know, so I'm I'm definitely I think more into Star Trek than than you are, Jason. I mean, correct me if, if that if that's not right. Uh, but I've seen the the original all the movies. I've seen all the movies. Uh, yeah. But I really in the shows I've seen just a few here and there of the original, all of the Next Generation, and very very little of everything else. I, and and I have seen okay. Picard. I did watch Picard as that came out because I like Picard because I like TNG. But if you had to say, yeah. hey, Alan, I think you should you know, expand your, your Trek worldview, where would you point me? I would definitely put you in, and I've told you this many times, um, I would definitely, the next jump would be DS9, Deep Space Nine, simply because it's, first off, on the timeline, it's one of the farthest shows um, out there in the, t- in the 24th century. So it actually carries the story farther than 
TNG does and and before Picard that was all we really had. But since it's on a space station, it's on a ship, it's a little different kind of the format and they really focus on character development and serialization. So serialization is really huge. I'm actually through a DS9 rewatch right now. Um, The first season isn't the greatest. It's kind of like TNG. It takes a while for it to find its feet. But once they um, encounter a group called the Dominion, it's running on all cylinders. It's just, yeah, I would, I would definitely suggest DS9 over like a Voyager because Voyager is simply kind of that, like it's monster of the week trying to get home. How many times can you go off course? You know, like and you have <laughs> like 70 years to get home. It's like, let's go off course in two or three weeks. I'm like, we're going to get home in like 140 years because every week you're doing something different. Kind of like Gilligan's Island. Like, are they just going to get off yeah. the island or not? Yeah, exactly. That's the whole thing. So Voyager's great and has its strong moments as the first female captain and Janeway. But at the end of the day, it's like DS9 to me is is the top trek because it just expounds and it shows so much, not only about um, humanity, but about Starfleet and if they're how flawed it is. And it's not this perfect world that Roddenberry wanted to project in TNG. So um, and that's actually the first trek that Roddenberry was not a part of was DS9. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So little, little also fact. Alan, um, there's a really good movie with Khan in it, and he's played by Benedict Cumberbatch. And... <laughs> don't don't even <laughs> son of a <laughs> into darkness. He was just oh, born God. for that role. Look, I enjoyed all, I, I enjoyed all the movies. I know there was like you know back in the day the curse of the was it the odd numbered ones they said weren't good. I, yeah. I can I can sit down and watch. The only one I really can't watch is I guess the first one. That was kind of a yeah, first one's Slog. tough. Which one? Which one do they visit God? That's the fifth one. Oh, that, people, people that's hate on one. that one. That's the one that uh, <laughs> I think they let Kirk direct. You know, William Shatner. They let him direct it. Yeah, Is, uh, Morgan Freeman in that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it would be better if it was. Yeah, it might have been better if it was, if you were. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, uh, I can sit down and watch that. I, you know, cause my criteria is it had all, you know, the cast that I like it's Kirk and, yeah. and bones and everybody. And, uh, yeah, but then it's, but then you get undiscovered country in six and it's a classic. No, it's so, great. That's so good. That's one of the best. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I'm sorry, Jason, we're leaving you out in the cold here. That's um, fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's not like my mic's <laughs> shut off. It is a Star Trek podcast. So that is true. We're giving the people what they want. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun having you guys on. Um, I just can't believe. I'm glad we got some time in. It took us forever to kind of get us linked up and synced up, but I'm glad we got at least like 50 minutes out of it, um, or close to 50 minutes. But it was um, a yeah. huge, a huge waste of my time. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, the huge waste of your time would would be if it didn't record and then we lost everything. Was I was I because <laughs> I'm not a red button because I haven't clicked it yet. No, don't hit yeah, it because that says stop recording. So don't <laughs> no, this is so fun, man. I'm always happy to, to join, and it's a pleasure to uh, see your success on the podcast. This is uh, this is great stuff. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's um, we're we're getting there. We're like it. Um, social media has been kind. Um, social media has been kind. We've we've got a lot more um, interest there, but yeah, it's been uh, it's been great. I think we're over eighteen hundred downloads in in like thirty plus countries. But um, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of for fun. But no, Jason, I will put your blog link in the description of the episode so people can go visit it. Um, so there you go. There, you that's want a tenant review? No spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> tenant, that's kind of like, uh, is it Undiscovered Country where they go back in time with with Doc? Did Alan leave? That's no. an Alan question. My, my, as, as Jason <laughs> said, my mic is still on. Uh, Okay. <laughs> uh, no, I would. I I definitely want to see Tenet. I just can't read your blog until I see it. It's there's it's a non spoiler. Don't worry, we're gonna cut all of this. But it's a non spoiler review. Like it's, it's true. Did you read it, John? Yes, because it's okay, non spoiler review. <laughs> I I didn't even want to watch the second trailer because I was like, I know I'm gonna see it. You know, I just don't want to see anything to influence me. But let I me, let me I ask you. I don't want to get COVID nineteen, so I don't know when I'm gonna go see it. <laughs> Well, let me ask you this, Jason. Do you think Robert Patterson could be a good Batman after watching it? Oh, um, possibly. He okay. was, as far as like, he wouldn't be his Tenet character because um, that was completely unlike Bruce Wayne, but it was 
completely unlike his Twilight character. So okay, that showed he could act. Oh, so okay, good. I could so see he's, that. Got, he's got some chops. Yeah, everyone I've I've read and heard has been like, this proved he can be Batman. I was like, well, that's a bold statement. So. I'd like to see him play <laughs> Batman as the Twilight character, frankly. I think that'd be a fresh <laughs> Jason had explosion. Well, he's already <laughs> technically a Batman as a vampire, so you know. Well, guys, thank you for coming. It's been great um, discussing this gory, creepy episode of Conspiracy with you guys. But um, love to have you guys back on. Maybe in a few weeks, I have a little special, another roundtable episode. Um, but don't worry, next time it'll be a good, like drumhead level episode. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, guys. And yeah, that's been uh, that's been our little roundtable. Thanks, you guys, for listening. Wowie, wow, wow. See, wasn't that fun? Gosh, that was a blast. Um, yeah, we definitely touch a lot of um, interesting topics and rabbit holes on this episode about conspiracy, but it was a lot of um, great takes, interesting takes, some things I agree with, don't disagree with. I'm not going to rehash that here, but I will go over um, kind of the state of the podcast, a couple more episodes. Lower Decks Review is coming out ASAP for episodes five and six. Also, we still have our Klingon series going on, so I haven't forgotten about that. We're going to get that out ASAP after Lower Decks. Um, Yeah, but I just want to make this episode a priority, like I said before. And man, I can't wait to have these guys on again. Like I said, we will probably do a little bit more of a serious great sci-fi episode and not like an exploding head one anyway thank you guys so much for listening i really appreciate it as always you can reach us on instagram at omega particle podcast and on twitter at omega particle underscore and always feel free to reach out and always it's been an absolute blast and i just want to say thank you guys again for all your support and always remember second star on the right straight on till morning